0: to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine you
1: know what i mean it's monday let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week it's time to unscrew uncork or savor a bottle and let's begin exploring the wine glass today i sit down with tally and mike henry owners of acre and one acre wines in napa valley acre wines formerly known as one acre wines was originally owned by David Becker. The property originally was planted with fruit trees. When the trees started showing some issues, he decided to plant over to Vines with 2,000 surplus Cabernet Sauvignon vines from a nearby winery. The property was a single acre in the Oak Knoll District, just north of the town of Napa. In 2017, David sold acre wines and one acre to Mike and Tally Henry, fulfilling their lifelong dream. They hired winemaker, Richard Bruno, and together they pride themselves in producing wine that expresses the unique characteristics that define Napa Valley. Their tasting room is located in the studio by Feast It Forward, located directly across from Oxbow Public Market in downtown Napa. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, sommelier service, champagne specialist, and WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracaena Wines. I am your host, Lori, and I am a UC Davis winemaking graduate. I am WSET Level 2 Champagne Specialist and Sommelier Certified. And today, I am virtually traveling north, and I am heading up to Napa, and I am speaking with Tally and Mike Henry of Acre Wines. So welcome.
2: Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. It's Great so to nice to
1: be here. Yeah, wonderful to meet you. And thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. And that is a beautiful, beautiful vineyard we've got right behind you. So, it, which vineyard? We'll go right into it. Which vineyard is that?
0: Absolutely. This is the lamb vineyard behind us. So, this was um, Dave Becker, who was the founder of One Acre, uh, started with his family plot in Oak Knoll and about and probably 10 years after that he ended up planting uh, this vineyard uh, uh the lamb family uh, are the owners of this uh behind you you can see um silverado trail and then if, up okay. at the top of the hill just out of out of vision is uh, the poetry Inn. so in case you want to know kind of where it's situated yeah. in yorkville uh, awesome. So literally, kind of the southeast corner of Yonville. There, beautiful one-acre plot uh, planted completely to Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, in fact, the same clones as the Cabernet Sauvignon that he planted in Oak Knoll, and that was kind of his reason for planting both of those: is same to plan. study how the same same vines, same clones would um, would behave in in two different microclimates. With the Nevada. exact
2: same farming techniques. That's as right. Well. That's so right. It's definitely a study vineyard comparison and terroir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Definite science. I love science experiments that only have one variable. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And the other I, thing you I, can
0: see looking back here is that uh, the rows are so narrow because, you know, he... He, when he learned how to plant vineyards, he, uh, he learned according to the, the European way. And so he planted very close rows and very quickly realized that he didn't have a tractor that would go through it. So, so lawnmower, uh, yeah, yeah. He, would, he would buy a lawnmower every year at Costco and destroy that lawnmower by the end of the
2: season. <laughs> yeah. They're beautiful. Those they really are impeccably farmed. We're really fortunate to get to work with, with his grapes, which we still do, which is terrific.
1: That is awesome. So, we're going to do a little back. We're going to backtrack and do a little history. Um, So, honestly, my always, always, always first question is the origin story. Okay. Like, how did you get into the wine and all that? But, but, you know, as I was trolling you guys to come up with questions, (laughs) okay, Telly, Jack, you. So, So, yeah, (laughs) I I have to say uh, my eyes popped out of my head. I got a huge smile. So honestly, the reason why is and I'm probably sure it has nothing like it, but my parents love that show, Jack. So I have watched that show so many times that I could almost do the dialogue. So I saw JAG. So tell us what it's like to be JAG. Is it like the show? Tell
2: us what it's like. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So yeah, definitely not the most um, linear route to, to the wine business, but um, but it was a great experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. One of the highlights of my my um, former career. Um, and uh, here's what I'll say. Um There was a lot that's definitely like the show and the kind of cases we had and that kind of thing. I think, you know, sometimes they made some of the formalities a little bit more so, um, you know, to underscore a point there. But um, but yeah, it was definitely an adventure um, and um, just a terrific way to represent. I, I was actually initially a prosecutor, but ultimately for the greater part of my um, JAG career was a defense counsel. So I was representing sailors for whatever, um, you know, uh, infractions they were accused of under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is the military's penal code. Um, and was, uh, you know, I absolutely loved it and definitely have some really interesting stories. Seems like another lifetime ago, but um, definitely a lot of similarities to the show, yeah.
1: Ah, all right, I'll have to tell my parents. Good job, perfect. Like, you. Know,
2: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Like they, you
1: know they, I don't know what time it's on anymore, but like, you know, it's it's on the repeats, and that's like, you know, that that is <laughs> the, the channel that they go to. They they lo- they love that show. So uh, I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, I actually even called Mike. Guess what? I'm going to be talking to a real <laughs> Jag person. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, all right. So now um, we can go to the origin story. <laughs> so first of all, I, I know, Mike, you worked in wine previously. That, that's, but that's right. how did you guys come together and how did you fall in love with wine? What was that aha moment for each of you that you're like,
2: yeah, wine's pretty darn good?
0: So yeah absolutely I think there's
2: yeah I think mm-hmm. just to, to preface this and then we'll pass this over to you um to start the uh it's funny when we kind of think about this question I feel like there's sort of three origin stories Mike's um his dad Warner Henry's and Mike can tell you about him because that's definitely you know kind of the foundation and backdrop of, of everything and then kind of ours together and mine and it's um yeah, again, not the most direct route, a little circuitous getting to, to this point, but definitely happy to be here. And here's how it started. So, yeah, <laughs> go ahead.
0: <laughs> um, so my journey in the wine business started when I was fairly young because my, my dad was a collector. He was uh, a, a big time enophile back, you know, in the 70s when that was you know, still kind of an oddity for, you know, some guy in in Los Angeles to just be super into wine. And he found groups of friends who were also super into wine. And uh, they, in fact, uh, started a couple of different groups. uh, One of of which was called the uh, California Wine and Food Society. The other one was called the California Vintage Wine Society. And they were really champions of California wines, even back in the 1960s and 70s. For me as a kid, what that really meant was, you know, my dad was breaking open a bottle of '68 Mondavi, and he was giving me a little <laughs> pour of it, and, and saying, "What do you think of this?" And you know, <laughs> what? And, and I'm not going to rub it in. He still has a few of those bottles right. left. Uh, he passed away last year, but um, oh, but no. he would he write thank, uh, thank you uh, right up until the very end. He always loved to share, uh, not only his knowledge, but uh, you know, share wine. Uh, in the 1980s, he ended up getting involved in the wine business. He actually. Bought a small distributorship in Southern California. He threw a series of mergers, acquisitions, turned that into a statewide company, the Henry Wine Group, uh, which um, I ended up working for. Well, briefly I worked in their warehouse when I was in high school, but that was just, you know, really picking orders and, you know, it was, that was that was probably cheap the best labor. production. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was very cheap labor. Um, and then I actually took a very circuitous route as well. I uh, I went to college in Colorado. I was an IT person and uh, living in New York for a while. I ended up getting a master's degree in business and thought, um, you know, I had some good friends uh, who were uh, film directors and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just help them work on their small documentary films and, and this will be fun. And you know what I realized very quickly was that that was a really really hard line of work to be in, uh, unless you were you know uh, working for you know some you know people with money I guess you'd say. Um, so I <laughs> you was... chose
1: winery, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah well, we haven't I haven't learned I,
0: that lesson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, Tally and I were actually sitting in a vineyard. We were on a we were on a trip uh, in 2008, I think it was, or 2009, and uh, we were at a, in a vineyard in Bordeaux. And you know, it's funny we told. Story recently, and I realized that it's it's the it's a funny aha moment because you're sitting in the middle of a vineyard, and the and the vineyard manager is telling you about all of the difficulties of the harvest. You know, they'd had hail that year; they'd lost a third of their harvest, and uh, you know how this was my moment of saying, "Boy, I want to get into this industry." I I don't know, Um, but you know what they pointed out was that the fruit that was still hanging on the vine was was actually perfectly developing, and and I just I had that kind of that. You know the kind of the bell went off in my head. The harmony between the grapes that are being grown in the vineyard, what happens to them when they're in barrel, and then laid down in bottle, and what the end result is when it's poured into your glass. And even though I had been drinking wine my whole life, I'd never really had that moment when I it all kind of came together. And so I went to work for my dad. I was a sales rep in San Francisco, dragging a bag around to retailers and restaurants, and you know, kind of learning the business the best way that you can, which is by knocking on doors and, um, you know, a lot of times having the door shut in your face and and learning what that feels like to gain someone's trust, uh, then became a regional manager, a brand manager. And, um, reached kind of a point where we were trying to figure out, you know, what the next step was. Um, I don't know if you want to take over yeah, and tell so, your origin story. Well, it's
2: funny. Cause so, you know, we, I think we have that shared epiphany in the vineyard and that kind of planted the seed. And then a couple years, a couple years later, we were, you know, kind of, as you do, talking to your partner and you're like, all right, you know, what are our dreams? What are our goals? Short-term, medium-term, long-term. And, um, and, and, It was funny because during that time, one of the medium-term, long-term goals that we both, we knew that we wanted to be the ones who are making, you know, making the wine and bringing it out to the world and kind of having a vision and carrying it through and starting with those grapes in the vineyard. And like Mike said, you know, um, following that thread, um, until it gets in your glass and then, you know, and then even beyond that, where it's alive in the bottle and one bottle you have a year later, totally different. And, um, But I had this moment where we were actually um, at a winery in California with um, uh, Mike's parents um, and some friends, and we were talking to their um, general manager who was just describing, and I I just, and I was at my law firm at that point after I'd left the Jaguar, and I just had this spark of like, oh my God, this would be absolutely incredible. Like I could really kind of taste it, you know, it was something that was a little bit you know, we talked about in theory, but it, you know, I kind of had that vision. And Mike's dad, Warner, again, who's just this person who is so inspiring and he believes in people and and sees things in you, you may not see yourself. Um, So um, shortly after that, he basically came to us with a a project and said, hey, there's this winery, um, a family-owned winery, this is actually in Russian River, Um, and, and we, um, he said, we, if you're interested, you guys can take this and run with it and see if it can happen. And we worked on the, the deal for about six months. We met some just incredible people. I mean, I think one of the things that we've learned, um, over these last few years, and this was prior to that, was how important those relationships are. And, you know, particularly when you're switching gears and obviously Mike has a, you know, terrific foundation on the distribution side, but it's moving to the supplier side, having that connection and people you can turn to. And. We worked actually with Mary Edwards and her husband, Ken Cooper Smith, who were just fantastic and, you know, um, I mean, just learned so much from them. And Justin Fagioli, who used to be at Ravenswood and um, and during that process, really, you know, kind of started to understand what would be undertaking. And that project, you know, had 70 acres and a huge winemaking facility and, and a number of different brands. And we were ready to do it very excited it didn't happen um we say you know blessing in disguise cuz we literally a month after it should have closed we were pregnant with twins um so that was a whole other undertaking but anyway <laughs> so fast forward about um, 5 years and uh we i guess it was 5 years we um uh mike had worked you know representing um acre and knew uh dave becker who he mentioned um and Bob Babby, who was the co-founder as their brand manager, they were ready to move along and do different things. And it was kind of kismet with the timing. And this was the very much the right project for us. And we really believed in what they were doing. Mike was intimately familiar with it. And we thought, okay, let's take the baton and continue with that legacy. And so, sorry for the lengthy multi-layered <laughs> story yeah.
1: there, but that's awesome. How it You've got, you know, it's a I always say things happen for a reason. I'm a very, I'm a very aura, you know, kind of like, oh, look at this, you know, that type of person where things happen for a reason and things don't happen for a reason. And yeah, my, I tell my husband all the time, like, my, my gut is telling me no, my gut is telling me no. And 99% of the time, if we go against my gut, it's, I told you, the gut said no. <laughs> so it's totally agree with you.
2: Yeah.
0: Happen,
1: yeah. Things happen. Things yeah. <laughs> happen. Um, but it was my- definitely
0: the trust fall to jump into this. This was this was brand new territory, and you think, you know, I thought coming from the distribution side, boy, you know, this is going to be an easy transition. But you realize very quickly, and 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 you know as well, um, running a winery is really hard. It's it's a hard business, and there are a lot of decisions that you have to make on a you know pretty much a daily basis. Uh, you know, from you know what's going on in the barrel, what you know what you're going to bottle that year, to you know just kind of general purchasing decisions that people don't even think about, I mean. Well, and know, a lot
2: on speculation, you know, and yeah, kind right. of leaping out. Yeah. When is this actually going to be, you know, released? And, you know, what will that landscape look like? Because it's years down the road, you know, particularly with, with the red wines.
1: Right, absolutely. It's not something that uh, you make today and you're selling tomorrow, you know? It's it's uh, what's, got, you know, people, what's gonna happen two, three years down the road. And what am I doing then? Um, right. yeah, so Mike, I, I trolled you a little also. Um, and I had, I saw that you were uh, in the film or whatever. So I, again, I'm like, this is, this is, this is Kismet. <laughs> this is us, this is why we need to talk because um, one of my uh, sorority sisters is a documentary producer. Oh, and nice. it, she, she's done some amazing work, amazing work. And she's just, um, uh, what is it? C- Cinequest, I think is the name. Yeah. Are you familiar with that, with that film festival? Mm-hmm. It's I've heard San, of it, yeah. It's in huh? San Jose. Yeah. So her, uh-huh. uh, she did a movie a documentary called Anchor Point about women wildfire fighters. And wow. So it's yeah. so like amazing timing and all of this stuff. And it's it's called Anchor Point. and she's world premiere is uh, tomorrow, actually. Oh, but my it's gosh. It's virtual. That's yeah. that's it's virtual. Yeah, it's virtual. So, of uh, course, her. of course, they all
0: are now.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is like, we ha- we're we connected in so many ways <laughs> <That's>
2: already. <laughs> um, I, so how did the two of you meet? So um, it goes back a ways. <laughs> we met actually when we were about seven years old um, at Stanford Sierra Camp on Fallen Leaf Lake, which is a family camp um, and that we still go to every summer with our, Families, um, and uh, we—it's yeah, near and dear to our hearts. My parents actually met at Fallen Leaf Lake. My brother met his wife there. Um, we've recently bought a cabin here. My sister bought a cabin, so definitely um, a special place. So we met when we were seven, and we're camp buddies for years and years. And then we both kind of went off and doing our separate things, and college, and starting careers, and that kind of thing. And then in our late. Was it, was, it, what, it, was it was a was late something 30s oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. let's not let's not count. Sure. Um, we, um, we reconnected skiing in Park City and um, you know thrilled to run into my old camp friend who I hadn't seen in a number of years. and we um, we went out to dinner and just totally connected over food and wine and both of us you know a passion for it and kind of I think the planting the seeds for you know where we are today, which is great.
1: It's so there's it's so um, interesting because there's so many stories behind the scenes and when it's a couple that own the winery, you know, like my husband and I, we fell in love over food and wine. Also, probably mm-hmm. more wine than food for us, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I technically prefer to. I, I'm a very picky eater, so I tend to. Uh, prefer to consume my calories in liquid form um but uh yeah and when it's just it seems to be that common theme throughout couples who who own wineries or are involved in the wineries that they really fell in love over wine and food that you know that's that relationship that came together
2: Well, it's such a wonderful connector. I mean, I love that with, you know, our relationship, but our favorite thing is pairing wine with friends and food and, you know, and what that, you know, I mean, I I can remember the bottles that I've had, you know, two decades ago, you know, who I was sitting with, you know, what, what we were drinking in that moment. And I love the fact that it kind of captures a moment in time and that relationship and what you were doing. And yeah, so I, I really, I love the fact that it is such a connector.
1: Absolutely. So the thing that caught my eye on your website, uh, when the, when we first started talking about the interview was your, your tagline. So dusty boots, stained hands and classic wines. So I love it. I absolutely love it. So you got to tell me the story behind it. How did we come up with that? And
0: so that was definitely Bob and Dave, our founders, uh, Bob and Dave Becker. Dave, uh, really, I think what it came down to, you know, Dave's motto for one acre was uh, one acre, one guy, one wine. Uh, and the reason was that, you know, he was, he was the guy who, you know, he went down to, to Napa Valley College. He, he learned how to grow grapevines. He learned how to make wine. Uh, very much a t- self-taught kind of guy. Uh Bob, who had actually come into the business from actually from the distribution side from one of the predecessors to the Henry Wine Group, oddly enough, uh, had then uh, gone to work for um uh Tony Cartledge at Cartledge and Brown and actually ended up becoming a partner cartilage and brown before that was sold. So he had a lot of industry experience as well. Um and so I think that the notion was that, you know, you if you're if you're gonna be out in the vineyard, you know, your boots are gonna be dusty, your hands are gonna be stained with grapes and uh, and that's how classic wines are made.
2: And I think, you know, for us, I mean, one of the things that drew us to, to Acre and One Acre um, was their philosophy, which I think really is embodied by that tagline. And, you know, one of the things that's so, you know, obviously we we fully believe that the that wine it starts it starts in the vineyard, and that's and it's the most important component. And second to that is the vineyard management of it. And so, our relationship with our growers and our vineyard managers, and the folks that they that you know each of the growers is um, in partnership with what you have for all of the family owned vineyards that we with which we work and source from. um, These are multi generation growers, like you know, fourth, fifth, moving on to sixth, um, uh, organically farming, sustainably farming. But what I also love is that multi-generation within the partnership of the grower and vineyard managers, for example, we source a lot of our grapes, um, uh, the majority of them from um, uh, Yont Mill Estates, which is owned by the Hoxie family. And they're the owners of the Napa Wine Company, which is where we make our wine. Wow. Um, and they have, again, their fifth generation um, growers and farmers, their vineyard manager, Jim Del Bondio his father started working with them in the 1930s. And, you know, and he he then took the baton from his dad and, um, you know, they've continued that in their fourth generation, you know, vineyard management. Um, and, and, and then to that end, uh, the year after Jim took over, um, uh, Yaunt Mill Estates, they're 635 acres of, of vineyards, seven single vineyards um, in Oakville, about 35% in Oakville and 65% in Yauntville. They became um, certified organic, one of the first you know vineyards to do that, and for all 635 acres in 1986, which is kind of incredible. Oh, wow! So I feel like that you know that dusty boots, stainhand, hand, classic wines—it's you know what Bob and Dave kind of passed us, and you know what we're trying to continue on with, really is encompassed by that. With the classic wine piece, you know what we really want to be making our classic Napa Valley varietals and really showing them in that classic Napa style. Um, so they laid the foundation and it just really resonated with us.
0: Yeah. So- and, and the other thing about the Hoxie family too, is that um, Andrew Hoxie actually was uh, instrumental in letting, in getting Bob and Dave off the ground with Acre Wines as well. Uh, not only providing just kind of, you know, moral support, but also, um, you know, providing the fruit that they were able to use. And so they had actually partnered up on that project initially, um, which was has great. really been a, a, a huge help to Bob and Dave. And again, yeah. Classic wines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
1: just walk me through this. So you're, because you actually live in San Francisco. Is that correct? Or we live, in, we live in
2: Marin County. So we're in oh. Um, San Oh Yeah, Marin, across the bridge from San Francisco.
1: Okay. So you're up there, you're, you know, you're, you're married, you're sitting down over dinner. Are, are you like, well, not that anybody reads newspapers anymore. So are you like, you know, <laughs> looking through the wine ads for a winery and
2: like how you know, we actually got
0: a call from a, from a friend in the business. Former uh,
2: Henry Wine Group person. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also former
0: Henry Wine Group person who who worked with Andrew Hoxie, who also knew Bob and Dave very well. And so he got us in touch with them. And essentially it was, you know, I mean, Bob could have probably picked up the phone and called me, but I think, you know, he's uh, he, he probably wouldn't have presumed to know who was interested in buying the winery and who wasn't. Uh, but our But our friend Paul was. And so he gave us a call and said... Hey, I, you know, if, if you're interested in this, let's let's keep the conversation going and let's let's see if it's a fit. And it was. It, it and and I think the thing,
2: the time again, you're talking about that that things happening for a reason, and you know how important so often timing is. So, um, uh, the family, the Henry Wine Group, so that our family, um, uh, Mike's dad and family decided to sell the Henry Wine Group. So that has since been purchased by Winebow, and oh. Um, Mike stayed on on after the sale for about six months to help with that transition, but we were kind of in that place of soul searching, you know, now that this wasn't the family business that, you know, it was and, you know, realizing, you know, I think one of the things that was really interesting in the wake of that was Mike kind of realizing how important, um, you know, that feeling of responsibility and connection and taking care of the people, you know, was for him and for his dad and for his brother who all, you know, and who are all part of it. And when, you know, once it shifted, which definitely was the, you know, the right decision at the time, that piece of it was gone. And so we were talking about, you know, over dinner, like we want to build a family business. We want to do what your dad did. You know, we want to, you know, kind of build something, um, and, and grow it and, you know, nurture it. And, and so timing wise, um, the friend that worked that reached out knew, you know, kind of about that, you know, backdrop and was like, I think my, maybe yeah. they're interested, they could be interested. And so he was, he's a wonderful connector, a terrific mentor. And he, um, I love that he put Bob and Dave, you know, yeah. together. Yeah. To I, I remember the
0: call so well, because I, you know, I had been thinking, you know, we, we've been thinking kind of like in a five-year plan, like I'll go and work for a, you know, producer for a, you know, for a winery, I'll get to know the ropes and I'll have kind of that, that transition. And then I, I get the phone call, you know, uh. Hey, I don't know what your uh, I don't know what your next step is, but what do you think about this? <laughs> and, you know, next thing next thing you know, here we are uh, taking the reins from Bob and Dave. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, what an incredible let's go for experience. it! Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And now this was in 2017 when you yes. purchased it. Yeah, yes, okay.
0: that's right. Exactly. And they
2: were Bob had it was already acre one acre. So one, so one acre started, the first vineyard um, was planted, Dave planted it in 2002. Okay. Um, first village um, produced was uh, 2005 and to his and many others surprise, um, that Cabernet, he entered in an international wine competition um, in Hong Kong and <laughs> learned that, he w- that it was awarded best in class um, out of 500 you know, other wines. Um, so that was amazing. And um, uh, so he and Dave, Bob, he then had planted a couple of other single acres And he, um, uh, the Zinfandel acre on his neighbor's property and then the lamb vineyard behind us, um, as Mike had mentioned. And so then a few years after that, Bob and Dave said, you know, um, we love one acre. We want to keep it exactly what it is and really want to stay true to that, you know, single vineyard, single varietal, one acre plots. But you can only produce so much, as you know, from an acre. Um, and so in order to kind of reach a broader audience, you know, still with the same integrity, um, vineyard, man- vineyard management practices, they that's how Acre was born. And so they started, the first vintage was uh, 2012. Um, so coming up on the 10th harvest um, this year and the 20th for One Acre. So kind of exciting 2021. Um and yes, so that so that both of those brands had it existed. Um, Acre had distribution. Um, one Acre has always been direct to consumer, but so Acre um, was what Mike was um, representing for Bob and Dave at the Henry okay. White Group. And now
1: a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracaena Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous, so we decided he deserved to be our wine club spokesdog. In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers. The Sweet 16, where you'll receive three bottles twice a year and get 25% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 30% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year. Or make it to the final four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 35% off all purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to your bank for each person you refer. Head to www.trasinawines.com or the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stocked the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. So now, are are you keeping these as two separate entities? Is there an acre winery and a one acre winery, or one acre is now being?
0: We're making the wines. uh, Both of the wines are being made at Napa Wine Company now. Uh, They are both brands that are under our, you know, um, Aegis, yeah, Yeah. umbrella. And um, but one acre remains committed to being a single acre farmed. generally single variety uh, wine. Um, the two wines that we have, again, are both varietally 100% Cabernet Sauvignon. And I, that's the plan going forward with One Acre. While Acre, of course, is is a project that can expand depending on, you know, how much people are willing to buy and how much <laughs> our, our, uh, our suppliers are able to to provide for us. And, you know, again working with, uh, with Yaw Mill Vineyards and uh, um, the Hoxie family, we have access to some really great fruit. Uh, We have a couple of other um, uh, growers that we work with as well that, um, you know, have just been incredibly generous uh, with their time and, and, and have made it, you know, some of the yeah you know, some of these great wines and some of these great grapes available to us for you know to make our wines
2: yeah and i think so with one acre the we are expanding a little bit just in the that we are identifying additional one acre um plots that vineyards that will will work um so we're excited about that and then as mike was alluding to we are working with um kind of branching out a little bit from our oakville yontville kind of core, um, because really what we're looking for is if, I mean, if, if there's, you know, a phenomenal vineyard in a different AVA that really represents Napa, we don't want to feel confined. Um, and so we're working now with um, some terrific uh, sources, um, Jim Frediani up in Calistoga. Okay. Um, and so we're for both one acre and acre. So we're kind of excited to see, you know, um, what will develop there. um and, you know, and how we can expand through that relationship. Stay
1: tuned. Stay tuned. Well, (laughs) I have to say, so I opened up today your Zinfandel. Oh, great. Great. And, um, where we are doing, you know, I don't know if you guys are into it, but this is March Madness and this is what, I mean, next to wine and our dog, (laughs) this is pretty much what my husband and I live with, live for. Um, so, um, we are doing takeout cause we're not going out to dinner when they <laughs> miss any games. Um, so we opened up the Zinfandel to uh, pair with some barbecue. Perfect. Uh, that taking home. And I, this, I don't know if this is really going to sound like that much of a compliment cause you don't know my husband, but <laughs> this is the biggest compliment you guys can ever, ever get in your lives. When the bottles came, I had them out on the, on the table and he's like, Oh, you got wine. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's for the interview for Friday. And he's like, that is the most beautiful bottle. That is <laughs> so yeah. for my husband to say that, that is, amazing. That is, and I, you know, it is absolutely stunning. It is like, at, just for people who um, are listening, it's like an etched uh, vineyard, you know, a grapevine and it is so beautiful. Um, and it really is an incredible bottle and they, so they're
2: much. all Thank that you. way. So we love that compliment. Yeah. yeah. And you know,
0: it's <laughs> such a joy to take, it's such a, it's such an absolute joy to take this out in the market because people do respond to it so positively, whether we're at consumer tastings, if I'm taking it out to people in the trade, it's, it's, it's a conversation piece because the first mm-hmm. thing people see when you put that out on the table, they say, wow, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a bottle I like that. that And uh, that's that's exactly the reaction that we love to get. Um, And and it was
2: a lot of fun. So when we um, when we bought the winery, all of the varietals had the same color scheme um, and they were gold and bronze. And we decided we wanted to do a little differentiation and maybe update the colors a little bit. And we also were adding the white because they had they didn't have a white wine as part of it. Um, And so we, um, there it is. Um, (laughs) And so it was really interesting. We totally had in our minds like, okay, we know what we're looking for. This is going to be really easy. You know, we were working with our glass folks and we're like, okay, this is what we're thinking for this, that, and the other. And Um, and, and then we get to the process and we're like, wow, what we thought was going to look good in the actual bottle of wine on the bottle with this color, not as easy as one might think, but it was a really fun (laughs) process and, um, yeah, we got some great folks and we're really pleased with the way... With the way it turned out. Yeah, so, luckily, our, so glass we love printers, that our
0: glass printers were very patient with us because they yes, went through several generations yeah. of all these different ones. Oh, oh now. Right
1: Did you have any issues with COVID and the glass? Because I know we had difficulty getting glass. Um, uh, you know, like it wasn't even because ours, actually, ours is American glass, but it still mm-hmm. just couldn't get to us. Uh, Because of COVID, and you're, you know, we we just have regular labels. So you're you're etching that on. That's that's.
0: I think we were lucky with timing. Yeah, our last bottling was in March of last year. In fact, I think uh, March 11th. So okay, right before shutdown. Right before shutdown, and uh, you know, we were just fortunate to be able to kind of hold tight and, you know, until we're actually going to be bottling in a couple of months now. So we're kind of getting right back into that, you know, ramping up, making sure the glass printer's ready, making sure the glass is available. Um, Our glass providers generally are importing the glass, but they also have a lot of supply domestically and, you know, um, and a lot of the same molds you can buy, you know, from domestic sources as well. So So hopefully um,
2: we just will have missed that on either side side of it. Fingers (laughs) crossed,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah i've Uh, been
0: told i've been told of no shortages
2: yeah knock on wood that's good
1: that's good yeah it just was like just getting the delivery getting it yeah getting it getting it made all of that stuff all right so tell me about the zinfandel
2: so i can drink well first off i'm so excited that you're having it with barbecue so well chosen um that's our
0: go-to as well yeah all
2: right Barbecue, pizza, tacos, chili, just it's a great casual, you know, perfect bottle, I think really accessible. Um, so this is the 2017 that you're drinking, um, which is uh, 90% Zinfandel and 10% Syrah um, okay. coming from um, Oakville and um, Yountville. Um and um, you're probably getting those notes. I feel like we should be opening them. (laughs) Um, so you got some black fruit. I really like what I really like is there's there's great fruit in it, but it's not super jammy. I love the pepper and spice components to it. It is Um, definitely a
1: blind tasting Zinfandel. As soon as you bring it up to your nose, it's got that that pepper that is
2: yeah, mm -hmm.
1: yeah that that screams Zinfandel.
2: Yeah, and it's, um, you know, Napa does not have a whole lot of Zinfandel these days. I mean, obviously things are planted largely to, to Cabernet when we're talking reds. Um, in fact,
0: Oakville has even less. The Hoxies yes. are the only ones that are still growing yam, uh, Zinfandel in Oakville. Wow. So it's a very unique vineyard. Um, and, you know, one of the things that really makes it unique is that the Hoxies, they own a lot of the land there. There's actually a hill that, that separates uh, Oakville and Yonville Um, that they also own the land too, and it's not planted to vineyards, but it provides kind of a natural break for the fog coming up from San Pablo Bay. And as a result, you know, you still get the cooler weather, but you get a lot of sunlight. So it's, it's, really about as cool climate as you really find Zinfandel ripening regularly. Um, you know, like I know there's still some of those old vines in the Russian River that produce incredible Zinfandels, but they don't produce them every year, uh, which is why obviously regions like Rock Pile and, and Dry yeah. Creek Valley or more popular for it. Um, Oakville is probably somewhere in between. It's maybe a little bit closer to what you'd find in Russian River Valley. But again, with enough uh, sunlight that you're getting full ripening and just incredibly even ripening of the grape clusters. It's just it's so fun to go out in the vineyard right before harvest and see wow. this incredibly because even ripening.
1: Zinfandel is, not, is typically uh, <laughs> uh, a bitch <laughs> to grow, yeah. right? Um, Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's oh, yeah. famous for, for, you know, annoying the vineyard owners by being, you know, ripe on this side and green on this side type thing.
0: Right. Um, Sometimes so, on the same bunch. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Right.
1: But yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Cause I'm like, you know, cab is king in Napa and, you know, if you're going to pick a queen, I think you have to go with Sauvignon Blanc in Napa as being the queen. But you That's have good, Zinfandel yeah. and Merlot. And so my question is, like, how, how are you choosing what varieties you are you want to make? And I mean, if it's going to be difficult to to have gotten into this contract with the Zinfandel since it's not that common there.
0: Well, and again, because of the relationship, relationship with the Hoxies and, and I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, but there's a little bit of a family history with the Hoxies too. I mean, Andrew Hoxie and my dad have been friends for a number of years. And so there's, there's just kind of this, this synergy and, and this kind of feeling of, of family when, you know, whenever I'm actually at the winery, just, you know, seeing any of the Hoxies around, uh, you know, his, his daughters, Kendall and Morgan are now, uh, know, working full-time, one on the winery side and the other uh, uh, um, on the vineyard side. And, you know, we've just always felt like, you know, within reason, obviously, because they have other contracts, but if something comes available that, you know, that we need, you know, we feel like we're able to get what, you know, what we need in order to produce the wines that we need to produce. And so we just, we feel really fortunate to be able to work with these you know these 35, 40 year forty-year-old Zinfandel um, mm-hmm. vines that, um, again, are in the heart of Oakville and and increasingly unique to be able to work with. Um, as far as the other varietals go, uh, it was really you know Zinfandel, Merlot, and Cabernet were what Bob and Dave were making from from the very first vintage of Acre. Uh, we added Sauvignon Blanc, as you said. I mean, it's this is this is the queen of Napa, and in our opinion, this was kind of the most natural wine that we could have worked with in the Napa Valley. Obviously there are some people who are growing great Chardonnay, um, but you know, Napa wine companies in Oakville and Yonville and, and there are some, some good Chardonnay vineyards in Yonville but there are some great Sauvignon Blanc vineyards throughout the Valley. Um, and in fact, yeah, the, uh, the 2019 Sauvignon Blanc that you're working with is coming from the, block, the Blockhouse Vineyard in Yonville, uh, again, owned by the Hoxie family. Uh, they've been farming these for a number of years
2: Yeah, that that one's a tough one on the green screen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, um, so picking the varietals though, too, I think that kind of ties into what our, you know, what we're trying to do and our philosophy. And it's really to make, you know, those classic Napa wines, um, that are accessible, um, from a flavor profile standpoint, but also from a price standpoint, um, and, you know, obviously in Napa, things can get really crazy, really fast, especially when you're talking about Cabernet. Um, So we really, we're really um, happy that we, you know, have kind of committed to that and keep these so you can actually, you know, for a more everyday drinking experience that they are accessible. Um, And as far as, you know, again, with, with respect to like the casual pairing, the Zinfandel, we love it, you know, again, pull it out for, we're doing with pizza. We actually one of our favorite recents that we've been making probably too much is a shredded white chicken chili. Um, awesome. that's just fantastic with it. And um so I think yeah you know, we're picking things that we love to drink. Um we also you know love burgundian varietals and love Russian river and Um, actually we're, we're pretty (laughs) open-minded with different varieties of wine. (laughs) We're we're not really discriminating, but we we drink them all. Discriminating is the quality, Mm -hmm. but not, you know, like I only like this. And, um, and by the way, we love Cab Franc. So we're thrilled with what you guys are making. That's very exciting. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, um, the Zinfandel that you're drinking, um, you know, kind of being new to this side of the wine world, um, we were thrilled that it, um, it won the uh, best in class for all the Zinfandels at the American Fine Wine Competition last year, right before um, COVID shut everything down. Wow! Congratulations! Uh, yeah, okay. so that was we were very excited about that. And wine enthusiasts gave it ninety points, which was really nice. Um, so you know, getting those little accolades here, particularly I think when you're you know newer on this side of things, is great. The the Sauvignon Blanc just got ninety one points from James Suckling. Um, wow! Wow! And, How did you- impressive i can't he doesn't even answer my emails <laughs> i know right i've There's never like the spoken black to him. Hole, we, we, you
0: know it's, it's <laughs> nice to good. be part of these trade groups you send the wines off and then you fingers crossed press. yeah, yeah. I,
2: and you know to that point like with the cabernet this was probably like one of the most exciting things to to see and and have kind of validated um uh and because you know again we were like how is this going to work we sent them off and um and then all of a sudden we get um notification that Wine Spectator named our Cabernet one of nine outstanding Napa Valley Cabernet values. So to have wow. them acknowledge and recognize, yeah, we were just like, this is incredible because that's better, really what we're trying you better to do. start
1: ramping up your production because
2: <laughs> people, it is funny when people read it was, that, it's, it's, you know,
1: yeah, it was great.
2: And they gave it 91 points and we've seen, like you just said, a lot more you know, interest. And we've had people reaching out from just bizarre, you know, play, you're like, okay, wow. Yeah, you all you right. see
0: who pays attention to that when you start to see it, you know, sales pick up in certain markets, you know, and, yeah. you know everywhere from, from online retailers to, to wine shops, to, you know, country club purchases. I mean, you name yeah. it, people, you know, people pay attention to the wine press. And so, you know, again, it feels like a black box when you send it out to them and it, and it is a black box, which, you know, ideally, right. Because, You're not supposed to have a relationship with them. They're supposed to (laughs) be tasting your wine and judging them on their merits. But uh it's it certainly feels good when when they recognize what you're doing and um and give it praise.
1: Yeah. Feels good. Absolutely. Isn't it kind of like a nerve wracking email? Right. You see you see, oh. you know, wine enthusiast or wine spectator has rated your wine because that's what it says in the, you know, the yeah. subject heading. And you're like, ah, ah. Right. <laughs> you know? That's like college applications. All yes. yes, yes. You know, so but that there's no I thickness. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, but there's there's no thickness <laughs> to, to, to guide no. you, you know, you have no idea. Right. Um, yes, but well, you have to zin, get them
0: points to pass the test too. So. Right,
1: right, right. Well, this zin is beautiful, and if the if the other wines, which I'm sure they are, are just a, as quality, you can taste the quality in it. Um, and this is this is definitely like I said, it is it is infidel. I've got that pepper, I've got that dark fruit. It's beautiful. It's got a little bit of menthol in it, which I adore. Like I I get all I get all happy when when there's that like eucalyptusy kind of menthol um thing. It, it just makes me happy, and the finish is really really long. Um, yeah. and it yes. doesn't have a lot of zins even, even like the Zins I actually really like, they're, um, they're big and bite. And mm-hmm. this is, is not, this has got it, it, you know, it's got all of the flavor on on that palate, but it's, it's, the tannins are just well integrated, so well integrated that there's no bite to it on the finish. It's kind it's a really a very silky finish for, for a typical, for a Zinfandel. So thank
0: you. Thank you for that.
1: It is excellent. So what are the price points of these now recognized top value wines?
2: Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, the um, Sauvignon Blanc is $23 retail. The Zinfandel $29. Oh, the wow. Merlot is $32. And the Cab is 48 And they're Napa
1: people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, yeah. we're, I, it's not easy to produce wines at a reasonable price point in Napa these days. You know, the, the price of fruit is what it is, but you know, we we try and produce the best quality wine that we can. We're again fortunate to work with producers where we have long term contracts, and we feel we can provide a little bit of stability in that way um, in terms of price points and indeed here we are
1: so so i have to ask do you have friends in other wineries that say you're charging too little (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: i will say that there has been at least at least one retailer who has said to us uh you know gee i would love to sell your wines but i just feel like the prices are a little too low Wait a second. Well, our customers expect to pay more for an apple wine. We're
2: like, okay, here's one acre. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. You know, you,
0: you can
1: Well, you go ahead, sell it for, you know, well, actually, they're already probably making more money on it than, than, than the way the tier system works. But um, back <laughs> So you currently, or at least what I've seen, you are a straight variety house, a varietal house, correct? You, That's right. We have,
0: we have so far been making strictly varietal wines. Um, I mean, all of them, you know, with the exception of the the Merlot and the Sauvignon Blanc are 100% varietally um, Merlot and Sauvignon Blanc, this vintage. Uh, again, the Zinfandel, we generally blend with a little bit of Syrah, sometimes Petite Syrah. Uh, Cabernet tends to be blended with, with, you know, vo- other Bordeaux varietals. Uh, this one I think has Merlot, Malbec, and Petit Verdot.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: Yep. Yeah. The, the classics. Right. Um, we have talked about doing some, some blends, uh, red blends, uh, not white blends yet. Um, white blends are one of those wine categories that, you know, unless you're, unless you just really, you know and again you know i mean you're down in Paso, so obviously there are some great wineries make, making you know white rhone blends no, that are Rose very very off, yeah, well yeah. regarded but but you know up up in napa I, you know i have friends who are napa producers and they they struggle with their with their um white blends because you know the consumer doesn't always understand uh that a lot of you know a lot of the wines from the old country were in fact blends of other grapes you know they were not 100% one variety or or another okay. uh, but that doesn't always translate. So yeah, we, we make, generally we make varietal wines.
1: Awesome. And now um, your winemaker is Richard Bruno, correct? Yes, yes. that's right. So, how did you guys come together? Um, you know, how you know was there was there an interview process? Sometimes they interview the what, they interview you, so you interview them. How I think there the was a little bit of that. It. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: I think we both interviewed each other for sure. Um, we, I, I actually had known Richard for uh, a number of years because he, uh, Venom Sellers his the winery that he founded with. Uh,
1: yes, yes. Yeah.
0: So. So that winery had been with the Henry Wine Group for uh, a number of years, and so I, I knew Richard very well. When uh, the when we were purchasing the winery, uh, there were a number of people who were mentioned to us who uh, who make wine at the Napa Wine Company. Uh, Venom Sellers has made wine at the Napa Wine Company since their very first vintage, and uh, when Richard's name was mentioned to me, it, it was you know just kind of. Like, you know, when the light bulb goes off in your head and you say, Yeah, I think that that would be a good fit. We'll we'll blend really well together. And Tally, I don't think had met him at that point, or maybe I would met I'd him, met him maybe, yeah,
2: years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah.
0: But uh so yeah, I mean, we spent a little bit of time talking to him, but I do think that it would I think we were being interviewed every bit as much, if not more so than we were interviewing. Well, him. and it's
2: it's kind of but another we
0: the test.
2: Full yeah, full circle story. Um, Richard um loves to tell this that he um, he credits Warner, um, Mike's dad for taking a chance on him when he was right out of UC Davis and, um, he and Chris's, um, uh, business partner were starting Venom. Um, you know, he took a chance and to represent them. And this was the whole reason that Warner, um, founded the Henry wine group to begin with was because he recognized this kind of place, um, um in the market where he really wanted to represent family owned wineries from around the world who weren't getting the kind of representation he thought that they should get back in the eighties. And so Richard, you know, absolutely felt like, you know, fell into that category some years later and Warner took that chance on him. And he credits Richard credits a lot of his success to kind of having that launch. And he loves the fact that he feels like it's coming full circle that 25 years later, he's helping us, you know, grow, um, uh, acre and one acre and take those to the next level. So we, from, I will say from the get-go, like I, I can't, it's funny when we're talking about this, I can't believe that how, again, it just felt like it was meant to be the partnership we have with him, the collaboration, he's an incredible mentor. He's a terrific educator. He's extremely patient. He is a, perf- a perfectionist with what he does, but he's also very laid back too and, We just, we so enjoy, um, the other thing is he's a terrific listener in that like when, you know we have a vision of what we're trying to do he has the expertise to be the one to make it happen. And it's very or, much- or to tell
0: us we're dreaming too big. Which totally, is
2: often <laughs> <odd>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I've been accused cool. of having uh, wild, <laughs> wild ideas of what right. Right. we could be doing in the, in the and, and Richard is always—he's very He's, he's just—he's—he's he's very practical, and he's very good at at kind of reining in your dreams and and making them more <laughs> um, achievable. achievable? Yes. Well,
1: that's, cool. Cool. that's good. That's a good quality. That's a good quality.
2: <laughs> yeah. And very much appreciated. And he, you know, but sitting down with him and coming up with, you know, the blends and what, what we want to do, it's, you know, it's a terrific part of the, the experience and we couldn't be in better hands. And it's funny now that, you know, if you asked that question, cause I'm like, God, it just was seamless, you know? Yeah. Um that so, yeah,
0: really was, and, yeah. and in fact, that we hadn't even completed the sale of the winery or the purchase of the winery when we're, Richard and I were doing our first harvest in uh, in 2017, yeah. uh, right before the fires. Um, yeah,
2: we brought him on six. We brought him on six months earlier <laughs> than the sale actually completed. Oh, so we're okay. like, okay, this doesn't work out. We're making something. <laughs> so we will come <laughs> up with. <work> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I love those
1: guys. I lo- I love them. I have not um, met them in person. Um but they've been participating in Cap Franc Day for years and well, they through. source
0: a lot of food in Paso Robles too. I mean, they're down there yeah. pretty often, you know. Uh, in fact, they're red dirt red, I think, is all Paso's Right. Fruit.
1: Yes, yes, it is. Um, and, you know, just the emails, the conversation, and just the interactions on uh, social media, I, I just love them. I'm like, you know, one of these days I'm actually going to get there and, and meet you guys in real life. Um, but even uh, yesterday when I posted the story that I would be talking to the two of you today, they commented. They're like, oh, they're the best people. They're so nice, you know, and I'm I'm like, well, well you true. know what? If you're saying this, then they've got to be, you know, because oh I think God. they're spectacular, you know. Well,
0: and and I mean they are they are exactly who they seem to be. I mean, you go into their winery and you know, both Richard and Chris Condos are just they're so accessible and kind, and and again, always generous with their time. Yeah. Um, and you know, we don't, we don't even work with Chris, but I still feel like Chris is you know every bit as as accessible and and, and every bit as much as, you know potential mentor anyway uh, as Richard is to us every day. So um, it's absolutely yeah, we feel very fortunate. Yeah. We,
1: I talk about it all the time, but I, I in terms of Paso, but I think it's true in in most wine regions, it's a very um, Different relationship than any other, I think, business in the world. That wine wineries, winemakers, wine, you know, winery owners. It it's a family, and you may or may not know them personally, but they know what you're going through. You know what they're going through, and there's always this support system within your little area, you know, and I, I just think that that's something very unique to the wine world, you know,
2: um, well, and it's, and it's so, you know, I feel like the relationships are so kind of inner, you know, interspersed and you're all kind of relying on each other to make this work and all these different kind of pieces that come together. And another one for us that literally just, and um, so we, we were in the tasting room at the Napa wine company. Um, our acre was poured there because they had a collective, which was, you know, which was really nice. And we're starting out at, with all of this and, you know, kind of a seamless piece of it. Okay. It's there. That's great. And then they decided to close the tasting room to the, the collective piece of it and focus on the estate brands. Totally a great decision for them. Makes perfect sense. And we're like, Oh my God, you know, all right, we got to figure this out now. What are we going to do? And, you know, we're a mom and pop shop here. We are, you know, we weren't really in the position to be like, let's open a tasting room yeah. on top of all of this, you know? So, and just coincidentally, Mike was with, um, uh, um one of our terrific reps from the henry wine group or then Winebow, um and is like I was actually
0: doing what they call the classic work with i was uh <laughs> i was riding along and uh <laughs> going and visiting retailers we had an hour to spare for lunch and she said why don't we go on over to the studio at feasted forward uh and uh just chat with them oh that'd be a great collective for you to join have you ever thought about that no I, you know hadn't thought about it and <laughs> and
2: I get the, I get the text. He's like, I found our collective. This is amazing. What you have to come look at this. And so I went and looked at it the next day and we're like, yep, we're in, this is amazing. And it's this terrific. Uh, so Katie Schaefer, who's the founder of, um, feast it forward is just this cr- interesting, creative visionary. I mean, just a total like firecracker. She's got more energy than anyone I've ever met. And she's created this space, um, it's about a fifteen winery or so collective that wow. she her whole aim is to bring people together um, uh, through wine, food, music, design, and philanthropy, and she really focus on focuses on each of those elements. And so, with the space itself, it's you know there's a whole bunch of indoor lounges. Those have not been. You know, utilized as much over the last year. Um, But the outdoor lounges as well, which it always had, and which have expanded and are going to continue to expand, are just these awesome little spots where you can reserve a lounge and go hang out during the, um, the colder months, um, she's done Winter Wineland where we have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, all these outdoor spots, you can um, reserve an igloo. Um, I, for your saw I saw them, I saw them. I actually have a question, I'm like, what's with the pods? <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's basically pods for, your, for your pod. There's, um, there's uh, fire pits as well, and picnic tables, live music, an outdoor boxcar bar, um, a f- uh, wood-fired pizzas, s'mores kits, Wow. Um, hot dogs, you can bring your kids and your dogs. And the, the cool thing is, um, these lounges, um, are constantly, the design elements are constantly changing. So you'll come and have one, you know, experience, and then you'll come back maybe a month or two later and it'll be, it'll be a different. week later, even, and it'll be, it'll be different. And all of the design elements are available for purchase. If you see something you're inspired, she's like, here's our, our partner who we partner with on this, which is great. She's with the food piece of it. There's a show kitchen where she does um, cooking demonstrations. Because um, they also have a, a uh, the Feast Network that they put out a lot of content. And uh, during you know the concert series for Bottle Rock, one of Mike's and my favorite like elements of this is she'll get bands that are playing at bottle rock. They come over and like play it's called riffs and recipes. So they're playing, she's doing the cooking demonstration. And they kind of riff back and forth with it. And then everyone has a glass of wine, you're know, hanging out with the band afterwards and yeah. just a lot of fun. Yeah. So kind of a different, you know, it's not your formal tasting experience, you know, for people with dogs or kids, or if you just want to go hang out, you can hang out all afternoon and you can do a flight, you can do a bottle, you can do a glass and, we encourage people to bring, pick up food at, from Oxbow Market, which is a, right across mm-hmm. the street and has all these great specialty shops and restaurants, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, bring it over and just kind of have your have your afternoon. So it felt like, again, the right, we're like, this. we couldn't have come up with this, something better ourselves as she just has nailed it. Um, and we, we love it.
1: That's fantastic. And again, just perfect timing, because I'm sure there's probably a wait list
2: to, to get in there, you know. It was great timing. Yeah, it
0: was it was really great timing. And, and a and great
2: place for during COVID, right? I mean, absolutely. because she just, she literally just pivoted. She took over the parking lot, put down turf, all the picnic tables, got, wow. again, the box uh, the trucks, wine, and, the food yeah. trucks, and ha- and supported all the local, um, that relationship piece, supported all these local restaurants who only had indoor space, had partnered with them to come a different night of the week so they could actually, you know, stay alive too. That's yeah.
1: wonderful. Yeah. That,
2: that is you know, wonderful. It wonderful.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's amazing to see how everyone has managed to survive during COVID. It's it hasn't been easy for a lot of businesses, but uh you know, for the ones that have it's it's really come down to just figuring out a new way to do, you know, new the angles, same thing been doing. Right? Yeah, exactly. uh new and angles. uh And I would imagine that some of the, some of the innovations she came up with during COVID will probably outlast it too. I think that, you know, Well, that's the thing
2: she's expanding um, her whole plan after doing this outdoor piece of it is she's taken over the property next door and we're going to expand into that and have, you know, these permanent outdoor installations, these fun little spots that you can go, you know, reserve and have permanent food trucks there yeah which and is then great indoor
0: lounges once that's right yes. Yeah. So those are, again.
1: when we can finally remember what that is <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: i don't have
2: to bring layers what right yeah. right I have,
0: no, I have no muscle memory of what it was like to be at large <laughs> indoor gatherings anymore I
1: know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly um but anyway we are wrapping we are coming up to the hour point and um so let's tell people, where can they find you on social media? Let's start off with that. Where can they find you on social media?
0: Um, so uh, social media, we are at Acre Napa Valley uh, on all the pertinent, um, you know, I, I don't know. we're not on 4chan or anything like that, okay. but yeah, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> um, yes, Acre Can't Napa Valley on
2: Facebook, at, at Acre Napa Valley on Instagram, um, and, uh, acrewines.com is our website and we have wine clubs. We're very flexible with them and, you know, customize. So we would love for people to come visit us there. And that was my next
1: question. How about that wine club? What, what, um, I saw there were lots of, I thought we, I thought we had lots of modifications for them. You, you blow me out of the water. <laughs> so tell, give a, give a, give us your best pitch for your wine club. Um, okay. What yes. they can
2: get. <laughs>
0: The so quarter, have, quarterly shipments keep me very busy. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mom and pop. Yeah. Um, so we have three wine clubs. Uh, the first is the Acre Circle Club, which is one acre and acre wines, and you can decide. Yeah, they come three times a year. You pick three, six, twelve, twenty-four bottles. And you can also pick reds only. Since we were getting lots of requests for that, we decided to make it an option for the red drinkers. Um, Acre Social Club is just Acre Wines and same choices for for that. And then the third one is the um, One Acre 4840 Club. um, And that's just One Acre Wines twice a year.
1: All right. So loads of options. And again, they can choose what tier, they, how many they want in that last thing also, right? Exactly. Yeah. So lots and lots of options, and I'm telling, this is Infidel is killer. It really, it really is, and those prices are, are are literally insane that you're in Napa, and those are the prices. Um, so I honestly can't wait to dig into the other ones.
2: Um, yeah, we can't wait to hear what you think, yeah, and we yeah. would love to meet you in person, um, either up here or down there, one of these days when that's possible again. Absolutely. I get my second shot on Wednesday.
1: I'm like rare and two on
0: Wednesday.
2: <laughs>
1: two Yay. two weeks from Wednesday, man. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going.
0: <laughs> Can't wait.
1: Exactly what we been <laughs> saying. Yeah.
0: Give my mom a big hug.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then your tasting room is at Fiesta Forward, which is, um, I think everybody knows Oxbow Market or should know Oxbow yeah. Market. So that's right across the street from the Oxbow
2: Market. 133
0: and- street right across the street. Yeah. 1031. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay.
2: They'll they probably have now too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right downtown now, but right across from Oxbow. Okay. Yep.
1: And then uh, how do they, how do they do it? Making a reservation? I mean, now COVID everything is reservation, but Um, actually you can walk in oh really
2: you can yeah you can totally walk in even now Uh, if you want to reserve one of the the igloos then you need to call to reserve that but there's tons of other out safe outdoor spaces um, that are terrific and so yeah you can absolutely walk in um even at this point which is great
1: that is fantastic but so i want to thank you It, it was so much i had a pleasure talking to you too and i hope you guys enjoyed it um absolutely And I, I really do. The Zinfandel is beautiful, and I can't wait to have dinner so I can uh, see how it goes with the barbecue. It's, it's going to be awesome. I know, I know, it's going to be awesome. Um, And I might have to, I might have to. Give myself another little glass before my husband gets home with the food.
2: <laughs> you know, that's what he gets for not coming home late, you know? Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. exactly.
2: Right. So thank, thank you so you- much for the chance to talk with you. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you helping us get our acre and one acre story up there. I wish you a
1: wonderful night, a wonderful day, and I will say slancha. Um, so slan- uh, enjoy. Thank Cheers. you so Cheers. much.
2: Thank you, Lori.
1: This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is wine by Kevens. Until next week, sláinte.